Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grid, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's Gonzo here. Justin is back. And this is episode 27 of the Blackout Show of season one. Jay, you're back. And so is our boy, Yoan Mankata. Take it away, Jay, because you are just he's as been much absolutely as, killing as I am. It. Uh, yeah, he's been absolutely killing it, hitting the ball out the ballpark. Now the strikeouts have been piling, but... As a person who wants to see Yohan Makata swinging the bat in volume, I don't give a damn about the strikeouts. Just keep driving the ball with OPS and slug. Uh, you know, our boy King Mac is hating any Yohan Makata success. And, you know, me and him got a bet on uh, him and Oscar Colas' home run total. And I haven't seen Oscar Colas swing a bat in a long time, Gonzo. <laughs> I haven't seen Mankata, you know, being optioned down to Charlotte in a while either. Not gonna happen. Not Whew. gonna happen. Hey, but let's just face it. Um, we came in like we got Tim Anderson and Yoan Mankata both in the second half, um, playing a whole lot better than, than what they did in the first half, and that is big going into their contract seasons. Um, talk to us, Justin. What, how, what you know, going into twenty twenty four, how do you see this playing out between the two of them? Uh, well, the White Sox got to be careful because they could be in a very precarious situation, gauging the fact that Tim Anderson and Yohan Moncada very well can bounce back in 2024 and give you a very productive year. Now, if you're the White Sox and internally you know you're not envisioning neither one of them in the plans, how do you capitalize on them producing at the best of their ability or at least a, a clip to where you'll get return value do you now i'm gonna fucking reverse this like we're playing uno gonzo do you trust chris gets to move make a make a uh a, a trade with tim anderson when he's at the peak of his powers do you think chris gets can get return value in a situation like that now i ask you yeah, you know and the it's an interesting point because chuck brought up chuck it was with uh, Gordon Beckham on the podcast this past week, and they were talking about whether or not Chris Getz is going to succeed or fail, or, or fail as a GM. And uh, Gordo was very optimistic of his fellow um, T 
teammate of his because ultimately he brought up in that podcast that he ended up pushing Chris Getz out of Chicago and they traded, you know, because we wanted Beckham as our first round pick to play second base and that end up, you know, pushing Getz out of your trade to where but not least Kansas City. And um, ultimately what Gordo brought up, you know, since Chris has been in the front office with the Sox is, he gets a lot of text messages by Chris Getz saying that, you know, trade scenarios. And he stated that Getz always seems to be ahead of the eight ball, essentially. And some of these texts that he's received, he stated that he seems like he wants to trade players um, well before, you know, things really go off for them. Um, and if that's the case, I'm sure without desperate, he is going to be to prove himself. He's going to try to, you know, test the ball on some of these guys in their contract seasons. Me personally, I don't think it's, I don't see it. Cause I just think the rest of MLB has already seen what we got and they're not going to deal for it. And me personally, I want to take a bet. You know, I want to, you know, bet on them, bet on TA in a contract year, bet on Yohan Mankata in the contract year. Cause we saw what Mankata did before he got paid. Um, because I just think in Mankata's stance, it's hard to get rid of that 21 million or whatever it is to begin with. Was it 21, 24 million? Yeah, that's million, an albatross. That is so hard to move. And plus, I mean, now don't get me wrong, like going into spring training, I'm going to put competition in those spots. You know, I think you got Lenin Sosa and Jose Rodriguez, allow both of them to play shortstop and third base to create some competition because let's face it, Timmy and Mancata hasn't had competition here in this organization. Why not put their feet under the fire and get them going? Yeah. Um, and do that in spring training do that in the winter. Don't wait until mm-hmm. it's time to call somebody's young ass up to think it's going to light a veteran's fire. No, put it on the backfields of spring training. You got to make it known that your spot is not locked. And I think that's something of complacency in the White Sox front office, like we've got internal options available. Yeah, sure. But you're only getting better in increments. Like think about this. We were kicking ass and taking names with Tony LaRusso, right? Mm -hmm. That roster wasn't vastly improved from what we had last year. It's just players were playing better. So if you, you can upgrade, within your fucking organization, but are you going to motivate within your organization? That's the key. What's going to motivate Tim Anderson to go ahead and show out. Now I'm not saying that Tim Anderson has a, a, a problem with, you know, getting up and being a baseball player, but for my boy, Yohan Mankata, it seems like he can do well with a little bit of external inspiration rather than just fucking trying to get better players. How about we figure out what, lights a fire internally maybe we need to get back into creating more competition earlier in the season and don't wait until we play somebody else on a calendar but yeah and justin to go along with that i want to give you some numbers here because i know some of our scumbags and us we're all about the numbers but me and you we're we're mostly baseball guys but we do like to hear some numbers and i'm going to bring up both mancada and tim anderson can you take a guess at what 
Mankata's slash line has been the last month? Probably like 310, 488, slugging 510, OPS probably about 878. <laughs> so Mankata's average 352. Damn! His OBP is 387. His slug is 591, and his OPS is 978. Damn. So he's damn near 60 to 100 points higher than what I thought he was. Yeah. Wow. Which we would never have thought, you know, at this point with how things went started, that they would be even near that. But remember last year, he was putting up that slash, very similar to that slash line those last two months of the season. Same um, timeline, too, Gonzo. Same timeline, yep. And let me pull up Anderson here because. Wow. Timmy was having Dre, a, And a then Dre start. from BGR talking about uh, Mankata's ready for vacation at yeah, Kick Rocks. <laughs> All right, let me pull up the line here. So, Timmy, you want to guess Timmy's slash? Give me. Shit, well, Mankata's been 350. There's no world, I would think. Tim Anderson's better than Neil on, so probably about 340 uh, on base, probably 390 slugging, 480 OPS, 850. So, Timmy, the last 30 averaged 305, not too shabby. Okay. Um, OBP, 333. Mm. Slug, 389. What? OPS 723. So the balls still haven't been leaving the park, but Timmy at least have been putting the ball, hitting the ball past somebody. I bet you his BABIP is well over 300 in that span, too. Yeah. So, Which, if we're being truthful, Sox this season have been, <laughs> understatement, struggling to get on base, but that's what Timmy has been doing in the second half of the season. Not very many people are driving him in. And that includes Luis Robert, because out of Luis's 37 homers, 26 were solo. So, yeah, this is all, I mean, yeah, you got to, that's a big outliner to Grafal with lineup construction. Why is there this many loops in, you know, the lineup if you do have Timmy get on base, but Luis is not in the position right behind him to drive him in. Um, there's no security. There's a lot of holes, a lot of need, needed bats in this lineup. Um but from the two of them, let's just face it. Like, I don't. We're gonna we're gonna see how how um, aggressive Chris gets is to making this a believe a belief that we are going to contend in 2024. Because I just see it as a transition year. However, to get hired by Jerry, he told him that he's gonna do what he can to speed that up to make this a contending team. He has a lot of work to do, Justin. And with that. Some moves were made, Justin. Some moves were made today, and let's get into it here on Griffal's Grounds. You know, I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, a, on you know, on whatever our team needs at this particular moment. <laughs> Jay, 
Yeah, I mean, time. shit, Chris, if Chris Getz brought in the new fucking cabinet. We got Josh Barfield. He's leaving Arizona. Brian Bannister, he's leaving the Giants. And Gene Watson's leaving the Royals to come help out. Now, the the thing that I like about this is they're all external hires. Now, Gene Watson, of course, coming from Kansas City, like, you got to stop thinking that we have to go completely away from the Royals organization. That's the only sense of familiarity for Chris, Chris gets outside of the Chicago White Sox. So you can't get mad at a guy for going for what he knows, trusting people who he's seen do the work. So, I mean, it wasn't really too much to take from it because we don't really know like what, what, they'll have their fingerprints on. I know Brian Bannister is going to be working with the pitching staff, but at the end of the day, we won't probably see any fruit of their labor until spring training when we see the team start structurally uh, changing. But uh, at least he he went out of the organization for the most part. That's my biggest takeaway. Uh, Nothing to, not enough data to really put a strong take on it. And that's really the big question is what was he going to do considering his roles? Cause Jerry gave him GM and president of baseball operations together. He's the baseball czar right now. And I believe in that opening press conference, um, I think it was Guff. Guff asked Jerry, one of the beat writers asked Jerry, you know, is it all, is it going to be up to Chris Getz? going forward with filling out those roles. Like, is there anything that Jerry's going to do? I think this was in the, uh, the question with um, Tony La Russa. They were going to ask, you know, Tony, you know, their collaboration, if you can say that with Tony, but ultimately Jerry said that it truly is going to remain up to Chris Getz on filling the rest out. And, and going back to Jerry, if he wants, to, or going back to Larusa, if he wants to talk to Tony or whoever, he can do so. He, nothing is stopping Chris Getz and doing what he needs to do to fill those holes. And we saw it. You know, he goes external. I mean, he came from internal. He saw what was there, and it looks like he didn't like what was there. So he clearly goes external and gets these, you know, these three gentlemen. Um, that's what was needed. I mean, we need new faces. We, we've seen over over a decade of the guys in similar roles doing, continuing the the mediocrity. Let's just face it. I mean, nothing. There's we needed this change. We can't keep doing the same thing. That's just insanity. Insanity. Um, but what do you? Let's go one by one, Justin. Let's go. Let's start with who's going to be the assistant general manager. Um, Bar- Josh Barfield coming from the Diamondbacks. Talk to us here, Jay, so with his I know, time I know in him, Arizona. I, yeah, yeah well, ahead. I mean, I, I want to start with you know him as a player, him and his pops. Like they were very good major league baseball players for the most part. So I don't really have to question their baseball acumen. Uh, number two, uh, with with him getting the assistant GM, uh, I feel like now we can step away from Chris gets like, okay, I'm just the king of the castle. What I say goes, no, it's like with the Ryan Poles and the Ian Cunningham situation. Whereas I just need a little bit more resources. Now, if you look 
at what Arizona has built uh, in a very short amount of time. Let's just be honest, Gonzo. It's a very young and athletic team. And if, you, if you're going to go out and pick from that type of prototype, that's a great way to accelerate any rebuild because you can outrun and you can outthrow some of your problems. Now, my one question with Josh Barfield is financially, because you don't really see the D-backs spending any type of money or having any huge transactions outside of a, 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 a veteran deadline move. Obviously, they didn't really do anything this deadline besides uh, what's my man named Paul Seawald. So uh, I just want to see how much money uh, him and uh, gets allocate together, like how they handle the financial part of the team. You know, that's crazy because Josh, he was the Diamondbacks director of player development. So he's coming from a very similar, you know, role that Chris gets with him. Right. And, but that's good. Like what you were saying, like we all saw this core come up with Arizona. It's a great core. So I'm happy at least that Josh is coming from an organization that's starting on the uptrend right now. Right, you've seen some of the success of uh, a situation that Josh was involved with. It's very, mm -hmm. it's very detached from what Pe like you could say Pedro Grafal was a part of the the World Series team in Kansas City, sure, but it wasn't. He didn't develop any of those players. He was just a coach in the in the organization. He was just another suit for them. Whereas Josh Barfield is basically the guy that's training the Velociraptors at Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'm just trying to read up a little bit. Sure, some a little bit of notes here. Um, let's just give a little development to his career. Um, his playing time ended in 2013, and then he started his post-playing career as a scout with the Diamondbacks in 2016, moved his way up the front office depth chart, until assuming his current role during um, the stretch from 2019 till now. So that really puts him really, you know, in that position of like what you just said with this development that, you know, that's part of his success and hopefully he continues that here because we all, you know, he do, we do have a good core of players right now with, that were just drafted with uh, Montgomery, Gonzalez, Schultz. Like, I'm happy that Barfield is going to come and be a guy to lean on with Chris because he's seen it happen in Arizona. He can come here and share some thoughts on how we can improve in this organization with player development because, let's face it, we, we, we haven't had enough guys come through here, truly developed through here, like Tim Anderson, and probably one of the most, you know, the most successful names come out of that. Like we're hoping that Andrew Vaughn as a highly selected first round pick can really start to pick it up. And I mean, it's a slow start here at, for this year at first base, but lately he's starting to turn it up and um, that's a guy you're going to have to lean on going forward um, at first base. So let's move on to uh, Brian Bannister, Justin. Um, he's going to come in here and be, Head of the pitching development, the pitching development in this organization. Um, talk to us. What's your thoughts on on Brian? Well, uh, 
that's the that's the best move that Chris Getz has made, and I'm gonna tell you why. Brian Bannister is the epitome of what I want our starters from now into the future going towards. If you look at if you look at what the major leagues is building, everybody's trying to build an army of velocity, and everybody is building an army of flamethrowers. When those don't work out, they don't have a backup plan. When you when you look at what the Giants were doing, uh, they they use pitchers that pitch to contact, and they are smart pitchers. So when you bring Brian Bannister into the situation where the White Sox are in a transition mode to start to get the next set of arms ready for the major leagues as fast as possible, because we got to remember Gonzo gets got hired to make sure that Project Birmingham gets to 35th and Shields as quick as possible. What gets pitchers to the major league as quick as possible? Keeping their whip down in the minor leagues. Yeah. Pitchers only get the call when they get their whip down. Brian Bannister is here to get young pitchers whipped down so they could be more. uh, It'll be easier to pluck them and get their bags packed so they can make a spot start for the big club and get my future ready. Yeah, I know I would, Justin, I mean, I was talking to you in the studio before the show, like, I really wanted to see this last month of baseball, at least get, like, Nostrani, some of these guys that are ready, that are right there ready, at least give them one start, get them up here, get them confident, get them one start to feel it out. And the, from there, you go into your development in the offseason, like, they start putting guys in their program for winter ball. But we only have a week of baseball left, and we haven't seen that yet, and it's just, it's frustrating. But um, let me add some more for the our chat here. This is coming from MLBTradeRumors.com, an article that they just published um, earlier today. A little background here on Brian um, Bannister. Both of them were teammates together, him and Getz, um, in 2010 in Kansas City. There's the Kansas City connection. But since retiring, the 42-year-old worked with your boys, Justin, the Red Sox, from 15, yeah, yeah. from 15 to 19. And you remember those years, Justin. Your boys were cruising. And yeah. Hey, Price, John hey. Lackey. Oh, we had the all, but those guys pitched the contact. Those were very mature starters. Don't forget what they got from us. They got our boy, your boy, our boy, Chris Sale, who helped yeah. them get that ring. So, yeah. but again, Brian Bannister was there in the Red Sox organization. Um, started in 15 um, as a scout and then through. So in those four years to 2019, went from scout to assistant pitching coach and then to a more analytical front office position as the director of pitching analysis and development. So to me, this tells me, you know, not, not me was a former pitcher in the big leagues, um, but also like it's interesting to see how you, you got more analytical with, Boston's um yeah well Boston is an analytical they they are analytical in Boston at every level of the team that's why like if you if you watch if you watch Alex Cora's pressers like he's so disgusted with the defensive uh production that the defensive product that the Red Sox are putting out every day he hates it because the metrics are bad and when your manager is uh, a, a utility player by trade he values the little things in baseball and the Red Sox were terrible at it this year that's why they're under 500 
That's why their manager has an attitude. He looks like Justin Fields at the presser every time. Yeah. So, but again, this adds another position into the White Sox front front office for analytics, which we have extremely lacked. Um, and again, I know me and you are more old school, I guess you could say, with you and I, with as far as seeing the yeah, game. Yeah, we're boomers. We're boomers. Just so is so is OJ and Slav. Um, but again, we need more of the analytics more of those minded people to balance it out because the socks are the same way. Um, it only helps. And it'd be nice to get in a position like the Tampa Bay who fully analytical can not only develop their players, but trade them when needed and get, you know, guys on. Well, those... I, I, I wouldn't say, cause I think when you label analytical, I think, I think we should use the term progressive and I'm going to tell you why, mm -hmm. because like people look at the Dodgers and what they're doing. They're one of the top analytics teams pound for pound. Nobody's going to argue that, but look at their success. It's tailored around uh, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman hitting one, two. You mean to tell me there's a lot of equations going into the fact that the two best offensive players in your organization is leading off every inning, every game you start. Like, there's nothing analytical yeah. about that. I'm just putting my best punch forward. So when I what, – what I was – my perspective of it wasn't, like, going that route. I'm saying, like, judging your own – judging your own talent analytically so you can have them, you know, on your whiteboard, you can be like, all right, this is where these guys are trending and this is where their upside is. And I can trade this, you know, trade them for talent. Well, yeah, that's just being that's being progressive because at the end of the yeah. day, you're getting ahead of a possible problem. You're not yep. using any secondary or, or third tier numbers to dissect a player. You're just trying to figure out, hey, if if I go spend this twenty million dollars a year on this left fielder, what is it going to take for me to fill my rotation? You're not looking the analytics route saying, well, if you just get a defensive center fielder, that'll solve the issue. No, you'll be progressive and be like, well, maybe I should worry about getting a starting pitcher before that that outfielder. I you think gotta, we're going to put it, the progressive word on our shirts that we're going to create. Progressive yeah. is going to be one of the terms. <laughs> yeah, look at look at look at what the Rays are doing. Like you, I don't think I don't think it's analytical batting Yandy Diaz number one because he generates the most contact on your team. So what's the point of having a high on base guy batting leadoff if he doesn't generate contact? Especially if a, like a guy like Yandy Diaz doesn't steal bases. So what's his value if he's not swinging the bat? Yeah, it just seems like for there Tampa Bay the bat. over the years when it comes to those in-game situations they just get too cute overthink it mm -hmm. stick to the stick to those hard-sided you know analytical decisions and end up screwing themselves over um but again like you you need you need balance and we're so one-sided here it's not even funny yeah um, but you got to think we got an army of dhs and none of our and none of our starting pitchers could give us any length for us to use our our so-called advantage and that was the bullpen Yep. Like, 
if you look at what the White Sox have turned into the last two and a half out, uh, two and a half years, I should say, is just a, a roster full of bad money. I tell you what, though, I, I feel like I can lean on Brian Bannister to take a good look at Chris or Chris Katz. Take a good look at uh, Katz mm-hmm. and really make a decision for not only, you know, getting rid of Katz, but giving us a good, giving Chris Gatz a good list of candidates to, to fill that role for this organization going forward. Um, and I'm, I'm really eager to see that because I've had it with Katz. Um, I, I think we had it really good here with Cooper for all those years. And, you know, we've been struggling since, you know, Coop left to really f- fill that role. And um, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's a, Highly touted role right now. But let's move on to uh, Gene Watson, who's going to be um, – his role is going to be with player personnel. They haven't given us the exact title yet, but just player personnel. Um, Watson also coming from Kansas City, so the Kansas City connection continues here. Right. And uh, he has his ties with both Getz and Bannister, of course. Um, he worked for, with the Royals from 06 till now, 17 years. Um, and then he worked, so he worked one season with the Angels in between there in 2021. He's a longtime scout evaluator. Um, but he's, so he's got a long career, kind of like Rafal, where this guy, he's worked with the Padres, Braves, Marlins during yeah. his career, going back all the way to 97. Um, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like Gene Watson is uh, one uh, an, another set of uh, eyes for Chris Getz. Like yeah. you know, he he's like a reassurance of the eye test. Because if you if you look at the way the game is trending, Gonzo, you just went and added some uh, analytic thunder power, you know, thunder into your front office. Gene Watson mm-hmm. ain't that. So he has a very different role than Barfield and Bannister. Which, I mean, we've heard so much of the rumors about Dayton Moore, you know, coming originally with Chris. It's interesting how they bounce off that to go on that same path, though, with the Royals and stick with, you know, Watson. I thought for sure, though, like, I wonder what truly is going on with Dayton Moore because I thought for sure with Dayton Moore being a mentor to Chris Getz, that he for sure would have been that outside source to come in to this player personnel Yeah, role, but I mean, know? I don't want my sensei <laughs> hovering over me when it's time for me to get, you know, get anointed. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be looking for his approval in a situation where I got all the leverage when I want to feel like the boss. That's a great point. So, like bring, um, bringing Dayton Moore, uh, evaporates what Jerry Reinsdorf want Chris gets to do ultimately and that's make the final decision. Yep. Oh man. All together though, man. Right, we have to rely on Kansas City to, to change what they we got. We got good going barbecue, Gonzo. <laughs> All right. On that note, I think we've had a good discussion here about the front. Let me ask you a question, forward. Gonzo. Yeah, what's up? Who's your favorite Kansas City Royal of all time? Yeah. 
Billy Butler, Mark Tian, Alex Gordon, Eric Hosmer, Bruce Chan. From what I've seen, from what I've seen, early, yeah, all, you said all time. You from what you've seen, like you, you hate the Royals, but you like when mm-hmm. he's in the lineup. Carlos Beltran, Duran Dad, Johnny Damon, Mike I mean, Swing. You know, you know I'm a pitcher, so from my time, Granky. It's been my that's that's my guy right there, Granky. I like Greg Holland, Wade Davis, Luke Hochaver when he was a setup guy was fucking nasty for the uh Royals. I wish I was old enough to have seen George Brett play. He's one of the greatest hitters of all time, Gonzo. Yep. Yeah. But now and right do- now. They're in nice. It's really nice to watch Bobby Wood Jr. play. <laughs> he's generational, and he's generation. Do you think Louis is Luis Robert the best player in the Central? No. Mm-mm. And now, with with Bobby Witt is showing us, he's not even third best. He's third best, probably. Yeah. That's if what if Carlos Correa just have a normal year next year. And even even Jose Jose Ramirez has played too. Yeah, you can't count Jose out in that discussion of being up there in the top three at least. Exactly. Like yeah, it's That's great sick. with what it's great with what Luis Robert has shown this season, but this is the first time he's proven that we need consistency. We get so happy off of one year that we you know we're satisfied. Matter can't of fact, be satisfied uh, with just one year. Gonzo, I need a I need a big favor from you now. You know we got Kool Aid Dre in the uh in the chat today. I need you to tell yeah. Dre we need to see more in regard to Luis Robert. <laughs> Dre, we need to see more, my guy. We need we'll to bring see you more. In the link. We need to see more. We need to see him um do it again in twenty twenty four. Not only that, but I want to see I want to see Luis Robert. I've seen enough. You know, we need to see more at the bat. I need to see more with the. With his arm, you can't hit. I want to see. I want to see him throw someone out at the plate. Damn it! Not gonna happen. Who do you think he is? Michael Harris? Stop! Don't get nine in the chat too. All right, that wraps up the front office. Yeah, can't can't hit forty home runs and bat two fifty. Yeah, guys, chat. We were here last week talking about Michael Kopech going to the pen. And, you know, being optimistic about what we can see out 2024 in the pen. And in less than a week later, um, the White Sox have just moved him back into the rotation for another start here coming up here next week. You might as well. If he's going to – why have a guy throw bat batting practice for one inning when you could just have him throw four <laughs> rounds of batting practice? We're really trying to tank, man. We're, we're trying to get – It sucks! For strong pick. Oh! This is the exact opposite of what we want. That'd be great tomorrow. They're like, nah, we're back to the pen. Our the new guys that came in that we just hired have just convinced me to go back. Every night to <laughs> kick your ass. Now you're preparing every night to tank. Mm-hmm. However, in that same breath, Gara Crochet is back looking healthier as he's he's looking like his twenty twenty self. Come on. With his man. velocity. With his velocity. He pitched the today. The movement. He still needs to. He still he needs pitched today. to. Uh, he pitched today. 
No, he didn't pitch today, Justin. He pitched yesterday. Wait, I haven't. I didn't get to see him yet. Oh, okay, all I saw. Was, all I saw was minor league highlights, which isn't much. But oh, I'm happy because now, now, now I the see rebuild that he's is back on. Yes, and that brings us to this point. Crochet's in the pen, which means Justin. Last time I heard about Crochet's developmental plan, Rick Hahn, our former GM. His whole belief was him being in the rotation. And now with him being healthy under a new GM, Chris Getz is having to start off in the pen. I haven't heard yet any details of that going forward of where he envisions him in 2024. But to me, that's a uh, that's quite at least the difference uh, from the two GMs here. So yeah, I'm eager to see what Chris Getz's plan is to develop Crochet if that's in the pen or rotation. Me personally, right now, I'm at that belief where you've already screwed him up in his development that I, I just want to see him in the pen right now. I want to see both Kopech and Crochet in the pen because they need to build innings somewhere, and I, I'd rather see that in the pen. Oh, it's over with for Kopech. I mean, Crochet, you probably got one more season before you can close the book. We're, we're creeping up on Andrew. I think Andrew Miller had more starts than Garrett Crochet as a major leaguer before we made that decision. I think Matt Strom had more fucking starts than Garrett Crochet before they made that decision. So the thing about it is Kopech ain't going to the bullpen for necessity. He's going to the bullpen because you can't have a two whip in your rotation. You just can't. Um, what, what needs to take place with the Chicago White Sox is you got to figure out what you're doing with Clevenger. I mean, I know we're supposed to talk about uh, Garrett Crochet, and I'm glad he's back with the team. And I'm also glad that we're not wasting any time and we're putting him in the fucking bullpen. We're not playing with him. We're not trying to uh, loosen him out. Like, building his arm strength up and building his innings count is the reasons we're having setbacks in this process, Gonzo. Why haven't Mm -hmm. we figured that out? Like, maybe (laughs) we're just pushing somebody in a direction they don't need to be going Yep. So you figure out what you're doing for Clevenger because uh, he's been the ace this year. And he nine times out of ten, if you keep him rostered, he might be the ace next year for less than the ace price. Especially for a team that isn't planning to win 97 games. You know, I'm shocked that no one picked up Clevenger off waivers this whole time. None of those playoff teams even wanted to take a shot on him. So political, and that—I mean—that's a whole different conversation with the league being political. But that's a guy that some of these contenders, these uh, like Miami right now, they can use another arm on that push to the postseason. You the don't Cubs? think Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Arizona? You don't think yeah. those guys could have used a rental to at least get them over the hump since they wasn't going to pay the iron price for arm at the at the deadline? That leads us to another. So let me ask you this: the Red Sox, you would think, been needing starting pitching for the last year and a half. Justin, you would think that, like any other player, he would want to test free agency to get more than twelve million a year, and he should be able to get it with the numbers he's putting up. Do you believe he will? I don't think he'll get that. I don't think he's going to get that tag because if he was, he wouldn't have passed through waivers. Think mm-hmm. about that. He would have been rostered. If somebody would have wanted him, he would have been had. 
Yeah. Especially and now, especially for free Gonzo. I really thought for sure he was going to get earn more money than now that we've seen him, you know, up to this point. We still have a week to go, but up to this point, the league has passed him. And that's only good news for the White Sox because they got, if let's just say Kopech does go to the pen, like we're assuming he should, right? Sox have four positions to go, and now they're going to have Cease and Clevenger likely. So now we're only got three spots to fill. So that's one less spot to overblow money and free agency on pitching. Right. Um, and, and then you got to think about it too. You don't need a full, you don't need to make sure that you got five spots locked up if you're going to already be funneling young, young arms through the major leagues throughout the year next year. And I tell you right now, spring training, I, I need to see what Nastrani and Mania has. I want to see those two get a, a nice yeah. shot in spring training. See what they got because th- th- that could be two guys right there that could take your four or five spots in the rotation and then you only need one spot to fill in free agency yeah and even if you don't want to even if you let's just say those guys just absolutely ball out in spring training but you don't want to go that route that's fine but at least you know what you have and you could bring them into a davis martin situation you remember yeah. when anytime we needed an emergency we hit in davis martin line well maybe chris gets is responsible to having four davis martins on the team Maybe that that's the plan is to make sure that we keep a, a pipeline of young players funneled throughout the organization at a continuous and consistent rate. Now, the big issue with that, Gonzo, with all of that player movement, nobody can get comfortable. And when nobody gets comfortable, do you really get to see what somebody has to offer? Because it's just a revolving door. Like, look how small the cup of coffee Popeye had this year. And he was one of the most talented guys we had in the minors. But he was here today and gone tomorrow a couple of times. So this type of situation, like, yeah, you could get excited about the volume of young talent that will be featured the next couple of years. But at the same time, will they be in the majors long enough? Will they stick to get a foothold with the big boy club? That's yet to be known. It's going to be Darwinism, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, survival of the prospects. Survival of the prospects in the pitching department. Because that, that's going to include, like you said, Martin and guys that got shot on the flyers with uh, Tukey. We Tucson. still got Lambert, right? Lambert's in there, and I'm sure Shelton's is going to be in that mix. Exactly. Especially boy, if, you, if they Sean go into Burke. the spring all healthy. Sean Burke and Triple A, mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be in there. Matthew Thompson's going to be in there. There's Lee some Ramsey that... is going to get some starts next spring. Oh, man. All right, Justin. I think it's that part of the sh- that time of the show that we are going to have to discuss our MLB all-time series, Justin. Beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful. And... It is my favorite position on the diamond. And just a recap for the chat. Justin was here. Um, the three of us went with Pudge Rodriguez. Ivan Rodriguez. Oh, for the catcher, for, yeah. For the catcher. So I'll let you start us off, man. First base, who is your all-time first baseman? 
My all-time first baseman is Jeff Bagwell, the best all-around first baseman in MLB history. Uh, his 1999 season is one of the best offensive seasons ever put together. 30-30 uh, year on-base machine, uh, 1,200 OPS, I think, in 94. So it really the total package, uh, offense and defense, everything you will want in the major league. Like if you had Mike Trout at first base, it was Jeff Bagwell. I mean, there were guys that hit more home runs on a career level, won more gold gloves, sure. But in totality on both sides of the diamond, it was hard to beat a prime Jeff Bagwell because you had a first baseman hitting 30 home runs, 40 doubles, 30 stolen bases, all the RBIs, all the walks, none of the strikeouts, the batting stance, the protection in the lineup. I mean, that's my boy. So Jeff Bagwell, that's my guy. That's what I'm going with. And Chet, not only give us the why, but we need to hear where he's going to be at in your lineup, um, Justin. As you uh, it, where are you going to put him? I'm batting Bagwell second. I feel like at that point, uh, as being a right-handed power hitter, I'm just going to take the easy way out and probably mirror him with a – I don't know, maybe my left fielder when we get to that point. Batting but, second. yeah, Bagwell's batting second for sure. Okay. Um, actually, I talked to Junior about this uh, in the studio last week, so we actually agreed, ironically, again, on our first baseman. Um, our first baseman, both Junior and I, sent. I'll say it, since he's not here with us, um, but it's, it's Albert Pujols. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 22 year career. And I'll give some numbers cause I like to be elaborate here. And this is his career average slash line of 296 average 374 OBP 544 slug an OPS of 918, OPS plus of 145 for those nerds out there. And in this career, that was 703 home runs. Some awards and accomplishments of old Albert, 11 All-Star Game appearances, three MVPs, two Golden Gloves, six Silver Slugger awards. He had a war, career war of 101 which is 20th all time. Um, just a nice little nugget for you. 1,405 extra base hits. That's third all time. And this is a cool one too. Double plays turned as a first baseman. We, we always love seeing um, our boy uh, Pito do that at first base, but Albert had 1,702 of them. It's eighth all time. Um, and that's a little breakdown of Albert's accomplishments and career numbers all time. I'm putting Albert and my lineup. I didn't get to ask OJ this, but in my lineup, Albert is bad in cleanup. Yeah. Fourth. Um, so yeah, for me, I got Albert fourth and then Pudge Rodriguez at eighth in my lineup so far. Um, I think, that, you I have think any? that's where, uh, yeah, that's where I agreed with, uh, with the catcher with Pudge and eighth. But, I mean, I like the pick of Albert Pujols. When you look at his body of work, 
and what he represented on the baseball field to every team he played with. Now, the worst part of Albert Pujol's career is he was teamed up with that fraud, Mike Trout. I feel like if you team him up with any other superstar at that point in his career, you see a different Albert Pujols. But like everything else that goes to L.A., he died. But uh, we did get to see his career revitalized with the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Uh, what was that, last year, two years ago? When yeah. he hit 700? So. I, can't I mean, I, I like it. I, I would. I probably would have batted. I probably, I would have batted him three or four. One of the best run producers we've ever seen. I still can't believe in his last year he had twenty bombs. <laughs> Old Albert out here. Um. Yeah. I mean, any, he was any, good at hitting. Yeah. No, he was. I'm just. You know, it's hard to see, like, in their, like, last seasons, them truly make a difference out there. Um, but his power never left, you know? Like, I watched Tommy. I know he had his back issues, but his last year wasn't anything like that. Like, I think, and, like, even Miguel Cabrera. Like, those numbers aren't even close to where Albert was. So it's... Yeah, but, yeah, but you got to think, like, at Albert Pujols... The reason he has 700 home runs is because his power, his his ability to put the barrel of the bat on a baseball naturally is otherworldly. So even when he's not feeling his greatest, that's the one thing he could do is I'll barrel it up. Like even when I'm getting older and I'm behind the fastball, I could cheat and still barrel it up. Like with Miguel Mm -hmm. Cabrera, it's like he's he's just swinging with circle. Uh, from the PlayStation because he's a good contact guy. That's what he does naturally is just spray the baseball, hit it where it needs to be hit. And both Cabrera and Poole also, they were so naturally gifted at just taking that ball the opposite, you know, an oppo field, just taking it the other way and just driving it out opposite field. That comes just from playing beautiful. Pepper. You got to play Pepper. <laughs> got to play Pepper. You do. Um so yeah, Chet, next week. I think we're gonna roll the second base next week. What do you say? Well, I'll be having trouble Sweet. getting in the second base, so hopefully you guys <laughs> can help me out. And that my friends, we're gonna go move on to our White Sox daily. <laughs> Jay, I, I was going to ask if you had any honorable mentions, but uh, I certainly didn't have any. Uh, Mark Teixeira, John Olerud, Carlos okay. Delgado. I was going to say Andrew Vaughn, but I need to see more. Shut the fuck. See, that's the problem. That's why. That's why we say the things we say about you in the group chat. You were having a great fucking show, and you just had to. <laughs> You know, I want to. I I wish Junior and Slav were here because we could have had this discussion that we had with uh, Corbin Carroll and uh, Tim Raines. 
Yeah, how Tim Rates was better than Corbin Carroll his rookie year. I just wanted to see uh, Slob's face in life and not just in the group chat. But uh, anywho, the White Sox this week are going to be having a a uh, three-game series this weekend in Boston. Um, Friday, Tuki Toussaint versus Chris Sale. Saturday's Cease versus Piveda. Sunday's going to be, yeah, it is. Sunday's going to be Clevenger versus Crawford. Um, I'm actually interested in both games, uh, Saturday, Sunday. One for Cease and Piveda just because Cease, I think I have to look at the strikeouts. I think he's at 196, so I want to see him get to over the 200. Yeah, he's going to get over 200, but um, the White Sox are in big trouble. He's got a start or two left, I think. So see, I want to see how far he sees will go with his strikeouts. He'll probably be um, at about two fifteen to end in the season. Mm-hmm. But um, also Sunday's matchup, Clevenger Crawford. That's going to be one hell of a matchup. Um, just seeing how Clevenger finishes off this season versus a nice. I know they got eliminated. I know your boys got eliminated, Justin. But that that offense is hot. Well, the, that, that's the thing with the Red Sox is the offense is always going to be there because the Fenway Park is an electric factory. The reason why, okay, well, I want to get into Saturday and Sunday. Let's start with Saturday. The White Sox are in fucking deep trouble because Nick Pavetta is on a heater. And when Nick Pavetta is hot, he strikes out people in bunches. I'm talking about has innings where it's six to seven guys set down via the K. That is not good when the only sense of offense you have is Luis Robert hitting a solo home run or the occasional uh, Andrew Vaughn RBI double. So that's that's going to be the matchup I'm looking at Saturday. Can the White Sox put together a crooked number in between the strikeouts? Because I'm not going to say Nick Pavetta isn't going to strike. I think he's going to strike out over eight guys. Yeah. In a five-inning game. Now, roll that back over to Clevenger, and now the Red Sox are in a situation to where they can get carved the fuck up like a Halloween pumpkin with Clevenger because now he's back on a heater. Now he is actually gobbling up innings. Like, if you're watching White Sox games right now, you're seeing Mike Clevenger dispatch of any type of hitter. You're a power hitter. You're out of the way. You're a contact slap guy. You're getting disposed of early in the account. He is really pitching a dynamite ball game right now, Gonzo. We could be looking at a four hitter Sunday to end the to end the the Fenway series. Seriously, so those two those two games, see uh, Pavetta Saturday and Clevenger Sunday. Those could be the, those are the two guys to watch in that series. Yeah. And I even get to look at our the, the hitters. You want to talk about your boys, um, the batting? Uh, yeah, I mean, Rafael Devers is another 30 home run season, but it, he's been down a little bit because the RBI hasn't been there. The base hit ain't been there. Um, Verdugo, he's having a down year. I actually hope we trade Alex Verdugo. Um, Tristan Casas hit the IL. The White Sox are lucky they dodging him. He was on the climb to get like an 870 OPS. Uh, pound for pound, probably the rookie of the year in the American League. You're going to miss out on that. Um, 
my the guy that I'm watching right now, I'm not really a prospect guy, but Sedane Raffaella for the Red Sox. He plays a little bit of center field and shortstop. He is an electric baseball player. He reminds me of he got a little bit of Ricky Henderson and he got a little Jose Reyes into him. Um, so that's a good that's a good player to to watch. But when you look at the Red Sox in totality, Gonzo, we were just talking about their good offensive team, but that's not gonna be the team that the White Sox are gonna be facing come this weekend. Like the Red Sox have been the the offense has been down. Trevor Story has came back. He's been a strikeout machine per usual. You're not getting that much production from the catcher position. Our most athletic player, Jaron Duran, has been on the shelf for a month. So it's not like you're facing the Red Sox at the peak of their powers. You're facing medium Sox, mid Sox. I thought for sure you're going to go off on Kosas, your boy. Uh, nah, he's on the shelf. I'm going I'm to just save it to the offseason. But I'm definitely going to two-hand twist uh, as soon as we start talking the off-season rankings and we get into the shredder. Oof. Well, I just put, I just hope they put enough pieces to protect Vaughn in the lineup, give him some more opportunity Not gonna happen. to drive some people in, get some more guys on base for Vaughn-y. Um, All right. Going to next week, we got a series versus the Diamondbacks at home Monday through Wednesday. Monday's matchup is going to be Yarena versus uh, another Cy Young candidate and Zach Gallen. Hey, hey, let Gallen pad his stats, all right? Um, He's got a better chance of winning Cy Young than that fraud Strider. I'm going to pick you up one of these days. All right. Yeah, yeah. I know. Strider's probably going to be a second. And then we'll get to end the year awards because Snell's running away with it right now. Um, Tuesday, Schultons versus Kelly. Another guy, solid cat there, Justin and uh, Merritt Kelly. Um, he had a really then, good year this year. Yeah. He's followed up back-to-back years. Um, but he really took a, a amazing jump this year, and that's why – you know, Diamondbacks had one hell of a first half of the season. And things were yeah. kind of fluttering ever since. But uh, Wednesday's matchup is second start from Tuki Toussaint. I don't even know who the hell half uh, it is. Oh, Fott? Fott? Yeah. I can't yeah, bad pronounce. practice. That's probably, like, I know you said you retired from gambling. You should bet the White yeah. Sox to score seven plus that day. Yeah, I do that, and he's probably going to throw a complete game shutout. Uh, no, don't bet on it. Bet on the White Sox taking bad <laughs> practice. He throws a lot of high-breaking balls, and that's what Luis Robert likes. Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about Christian Walker and that offense before we head out here. Uh, you look at the D-backs offense, they exude youth, like you think a young, fast team. But if you if you take a look at the, the heart of the order – when you get into the Christian Walkers and the Lourdes Guriels, Alec Thomas is the big dog in there right now. If you look at what the D-backs are trying to do, the top of their lineup in the bottom third mirror each other. Whether, and you just get the, the isolated part of the middle of the order. It's amazing 
when you think of a team with only Christian Walker as the number one right-handed power source, let's just be honest. I mean, I know Lourdes Gurriel got 20-plus home runs, but when you look at power, you think of Christian Walker. How do you survive with just that right-handed power? You got to look at everybody else's ability to get on base, not to hit for power, not to even hit for average, just to get on base. You talk about Corbin Carroll, outstanding on-base guy. Cattell Marte, outstanding on-base guy. Even Gerardo Perdomo, outstanding base, uh, you know, on-base guy. So the, the key to Christian Walker is doing exactly what you said for Andrew Vaughn, is sandwiching him in between everybody getting on base. And when you got guys beneath Christian Walker, you don't have to worry about him just driving somebody on a single because he's in scoring position at first base because of Guriel's ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark for Alec Thomas's ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So um, my, my biggest concern with the D-backs lineup is keeping the run game in check because they, that's not a team that waits on any third base signs. They, they have the green light and it's not just one guy with the green light. It's about four. So uh, I want, I'm, yep. Anxious to see how Corey Lee uh, handles base runners in that series. Is he, how often he's going to throw behind runners, not sacrificing any disengagements on the mound for his pitchers. Feel so. Uh, I feel for even though we're Corey in Lee Chicago, right now. you got to You got to do the tedious stuff. Yeah, not say that all all we can really rely on right now from Corey Lee's on the defensive side is getting better because offensively there isn't much. But ultimately, we just care about the defensive side first because um, that's a guy that, you know, he has a lot to learn at the major league level, right. especially when you have a guy like Dylan Cease. You got to get used to what he has, not only for yourself feeling comfortable with what he has, but letting Dylan Cease feel comfortable with what he has because, you know, we've seen him. I think we've seen him giving up on his off-speed like trusting his slider knuckle curve. Yeah, the back foot is He doesn't trust it being blocked. Back foot is out the door, Gonzo. Like, he's not Mm -hmm. trying – he can't throw any 60-foot breaking balls anymore. Like, it's out of the equation now. And that's why, like, at first, like, I was laughing at Selby Perez coming here because I'm like, you know, do we really need it? Like, with this contract and what he has to offer right now. But I'm like, wait a second. Dylan Cease hasn't had a guy like Selby Perez behind the dish. Grandal is certainly not that. Um, so I welcome it. I honestly welcome it if we can get a solid veteran in here um, that is solid not only with the bat but defensively as well. Um, now, uh, you know the White Sox are trying to go uh, the fiscally conservative route, but you're not paying for – uh, Salvador Perez at the best of his ability. So it's not like you're paying the iron price. If you put Corey Lee in a situation, I was just about to touch on what Rafa was saying, put him in a position to be a backup catcher, then the lack of contact don't hurt you as much. Then you right. shorten the sample size on top of letting him learn from a guy that's been doing it at a high level directly in front of him. He's not just a prospect lower on the depth chart he's somebody who's being groomed into a position in real time so yeah 
it could it could be a great opportunity for the White Sox to plant the seeds for some transcendence and get that back in the organization. Yeah, because again, we go back to it earlier with competition. Next in twenty twenty five, likely he's going to be having competition with uh, Kiro. So, uh, yeah, right. Likely. And you and you and you see Kiro's offensive uh, offensive talent. Like he he has a good feel for the plate, not only as a defender, but as a switch hitting catcher that knows how to pick one out that, yeah. that puts a lot of pressure on Corey Lee to get better at isolated offensive parts of his game. Cause there is a guy that can replace you. Almost. Yeah. And I was going with what you're saying. Ultimately it kind of feel for him because like he just came from that situation in Houston where he was the back up to Maldonado like he was the fringe catcher there and yeah. he we traded for him thinking that he was going to come here and get those reps right away when all together now we're starting to feel like you know we're putting ourselves in that contention window so we're going to likely go get a trade guy for like Selby and he's back to that role again so uh I just hope that he uh takes that with pride and like actually um you know Oh, well, I mean, it got to take time. You can't fucking bat yeah. 100 and get upset that your at bats yeah. getting cut in half. Well, I mean, exactly. I don't. I mean, we're telling you right now, kid, that this is a competition. Like, just because you're losing, we're not going to slow our process down. Yep. We still got to do what we got to do to keep ourselves from being the Chicago White Sox. And we are. Nothing's going to stop us, man, from uh, fix the click this week because we have our own competition, folks. Rafa, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate you here at the end of the show here. Rafa. Um, and I do. Rafa. Not Rafa. 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 Right. I like Hero as well. And I know you, Justin, have picked Lee last week. That didn't put you over the hump this week. Um, OJ won back-to-back weeks. OJ is now tied with you. There's a third-place tie right now. What the fuck? The standings right now, I got seven. Slav is six right behind me. You and Slav, or you and, sorry, you and OJ are tied at five with one week to go. So one of you are, are either going to break it or it's going to be a tie. And um, if Slav wins, then I'm tied at first. This this is going to be an interesting week, Justin. Um, listen, Mankata's off the board. That's who OJ won it with. OJ is going with Robert Jr., of course. Go figure. He gets a nice, easy pick there. Um, or sorry, not Robert. My bad. He had, sorry, he won it. My bad. I made a mistake. I'm looking at last week's shit, Justin. Mankata is not off the board. Robert's off the board this week. OJ won it with Mankata. 
<laughs> your look on your face. Because, man. I know. I'm just messing with you. I was I was right. He's going with Mikata this week. Robert's off the board. He went with Robert. I was right originally. Okay. I know. I know. You had to give me that look. I had to make sure you're on your toes because I got to make sure you're comprehending this. What? So, what type of? <laughs> Mankata is off the board. OJ went with Mankata. So um, it's going to go Junior, Slav, me, and then you. Don't pick Lee. Lee's not going to win your uh, third third place bet. I'm not trying to win no fucking third place. <laughs> So, Slav is going to go Eloy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it because I always feel like I jinx myself when I pick him. But I'm going to go Andrew Vaughn. I've been saying it from the beginning of the season. I'm all in on him. I'm going to end it with Vaughn. He's been hot. I'm going to go with him. That's where I'm at with this picks to click. I'm going on a limb here. Jay. I don't know what, how you're going to do it to uh, not end up in last, but Robert, Mankata, Elo, and Vaughn are off the board. Give me Gavin Sheets. You people are idiots. <laughs> you people are really dumb. I won, I just won pick to click. I thought you were going to go with Elvis. No. Okay. You could have gone Lee again. No, you just told me not to go Lee. So now it's either I go I go Elvis Andrews or Corey Lee, right? Yeah. No. You want you want how I'm many going Gavin, I'm going Gavin Sheets, and he's gonna hit how a grand many? slam. He's gonna hit he's gonna hit the first five run homer in franchise history tomorrow. How many starts does he get in the next seven days? Four. That's all I need. I hope you get it, dude. Because if OJ's in last, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. I wish the I wish the Guardians was in last place. I believe they went all in on Giolito. Yeah. And Giolito starting to turn around a little bit. No, he's just a very streaky pitcher. <laughs> Try to give him some credit. Nine some credit. I can't I can't do that. Alright, so Junior's going Mankata. Slav is going Eloy. I'm picking Vaughn and Jay's going with Gavin Bonds. Gavin Sheets. Egyptian cotton sheets. Folks, that is our picks. It's time for shout-outs. Jay, you lead off shout-outs this week, man. We haven't heard from you in a while. So, basically, I want to give a shout-out to the love of my life, Asia. We celebrated our two-year anniversary yesterday. Uh, the fastest two years of my life. Um, couldn't be happier. She helps me set my fantasy lineups. Um, she's the greatest cake decorator on the planet. All the goodies, all the goodness. Uh, shout out to you, Asia, for being absolutely outstanding. It is an honor to watch you grow and be successful in everything you do. If you're ever listening to this, I want to say I love you and thank you. 
made me so happy. Come on, man. Don't do this those, to me. Those are some beautiful photos to your you better fuck, You better hurry up. My iPad has four fucking percent. <laughs> All right. It wasn't my two-year anniversary, um, but I'm going to give a shout-out to my girl, Soraya. Soraya is right now a nervous train wreck for her first exam this semester. She's studying her ass off right now, so I hope she succeeds. She's going to kill and it. She's going to kill it. She will. She needs to ace that shit, so we can go celebrate. Got to find some nice places out here in San Diego to go celebrate. But she's my first shout-out, and I got to give some shout-outs to you, some of y'all in the chat. Thanks, Dre, for being with us. I saw Caleb in there, and he's a Twins fan. What the hell is he doing in this chat? I see KG from our little Joes. KG, we need an update on how our um, blackout consumptions are going right now. They should be off the charts, I would imagine. Um, who else we got? Ramos, Angel, popped in. Yankees fan, Justin. Yankees fan watching. Uh, Rafa's joined the show. Nice seeing you, my guy. Um, thanks for everyone for tuning in and listening to the show. Um, last but not least, I'm actually going to give a shout out to the Bears for wow. giving us another giving us another embarrassment um, because it takes a little heat off the White Sox. Um, that's an. Are you serious? Bro, I, you know how much, how excited I was for year three of Justin, and I have to watch Chris get, or not Chris, <laughs> Luke Getsy. <laughs> <laughs> the Gets, Getsy, man. Ah! Bro, they, they're wearing each other's masks, I swear, man. They're ruining this whole shithole of, uh, I thought we had something going. You know, we all were waiting for that year three jump with Fields, and then they had all offseason come up with a, a scheme going into year three, and we just see this shit show going forward. And then today's Ooh. news, which, hold on. I'm not, I, all right. No, no. John Zagul. Okay. Oh, my God. God bless him because he's earned his reporting skills. Um, let's just say that it's true, right? It's what Why? Rumors Why? are. Why? All right. Why? All I say, John, all right, that's just a touchy subject. I wouldn't blow that story out if it's unofficial. I would hold on to that news, hold on to it until it has been official. This is a baseball podcast. I know. I'm just... God bless John. All right, he needs it. Twitter's going after him. Um, it's it's frustrating because he doesn't deserve it. Um, he doesn't because we don't even know. Everything's unofficial right now. We don't even know what is official, what is the truth. Why would the FBI? Why would the FBI leak an investigation to a blogger? He wouldn't. So how does he know? So first off, you have to ask that question to George. If that's true, if George, George has to know. If that is true, right, George would have to know because everything else makes no sense. 
because now you blow it like now that it's out there now the subject knows that there's an investigation on him and then that's why he lawyers up today because that was actually true that was leaked that he did look he wasn't always representative by this attorney that was as of today so something's going on um yeah there's a lot to this that i would say a lot of terms i saw out there a lot of media terms being used because i'm telling you right now the fbi swat team's not raiding Hallis hall for equipment they, the they didn't raid it at all the fbi's legal division would go in there with the search warrant there would not be no fbi raid team they're not doing that for Hallis hall they're not doing it in anything material they're i'm telling you right now I'm telling I'm telling you right now that's completely blown out of proportion. Maybe I'll just say this, Jay. Maybe whoever that source is told John whatever verbiage of FBI, but they're all media people, so they don't understand the true concepts behind my field. So it gets blown out of proportion because they don't know what they're talking about. But um, anywho. We're not going to go more into this because it's just too uh, late. It's all it's all a black hole out here. Um. Yeah, you got anything else? Any uh, last thoughts here? The Chicago White Sox make me unhappy, and I can't wait mm-hmm. to watch the next game. Yeah, so let's everyone, go, Gavin Feats. Tune in to next week. We're going to break down what we think this roster is going to look like in 2024 out of internal options for 2024. Cause we have a whole off season to talk about ads from external routes outlets. But next week we're going to look at the internal outlook of what is to come in 2024. And then we will go into our all time second baseman. So from myself, from Justin Lee, thank you for watching the Blackout Show presented by the Gian Grid. Thanks for tuning in, people. Beep, beep.